0: on zone. Now it's three on two for the Ranting it in. Now for McKinnon. Shoot. Score! Latham McKinnon! Latham
1: McKinnon! Shouted from the mountaintop. You talk about transition. That was a thing of beauty. Uh-huh. Sorensen coming in. He's got help. Across well, ice, speed the Thornton. He scores! That is
0: number 400! man in the history of the NA to play 1,500 games, have 400 goals, and have 1,000 assists. shot, almost deflected in. Rene somehow did a Houdini-type of move with the stick behind his back.
1: Now the Canucks, after a line change, are right back in there again with a shot. Oh, my word! What a save by Carter Hutton! Oh, is this a time to call a cut? Out, shoots and
0: scores off the post and in with 2.7 to go in the first period. Holding, holding. U-drop. Nice Left Left circle. Point score. And Braden Point has two goals. Beautiful puck movement. Point now in the slot. U-drop.
1: Swerves in front. Point shoots. Scores. Braden Point a hat trick and power play goals all in the span of just seconds.
0: Fastest three goals scored. One player in the history of the lightning. High club side of Darling. Big rebound. Happen to see who's on it in front. Darling, what a save! Magnificent! Oh, a second save by Scott Darling! How about that? How about that? Let's go! Episode 11. we We're back, Pucks and Deep Podcast live. Here on November 21st, and let's go that last highlight we heard from John Forsland. He's calling the game right over here in the basement. We're doing a, a bit of a live pod during the Leaf game. They're currently down two-one. Welcome back.
1: It's good to be back, and we've got a party pack of NHL stories to go through. It's been a uh, quite the week in uh, NHL news, and, and you know it's kind of good that we waited till Wednesday to record this time because a lot of uh, stories dropped just in the last couple of days.
0: It's true, it would have been Ubergate all over again. Stop the pod and then oh, here comes the biggest news of the last couple of weeks just moments after you're done recording. So at least we had a week to sit on it and think about our opinions this time, not as much time, but more content.
1: Oh, tons of content. I tons. mean, we, there has been what four leaf games since our last recording just a jam packed schedule. Couple coaches getting torched, you know. there A couple trades as well. We got lots to go through.
0: Yeah, and some interesting ones too. Like the, you know, obviously we'll touch on the coaches soon. There's, there's some replacements in, in, in uh, coaches that are maybe a surprise. Some trades that I think a lot of people were surprised about. But we'll cover all that shit here in the Pucks and Deep podcast. And once again, it's episode 11, so we're getting up there. We're old now. If it was a dog podcast, we'd be like, what, in our 70s, (laughs) right? So we're glad you're sticking around. Like Lesko says, we've got a lot to cover, and we might as well uh, jump right into it. We do have a couple of Twitter questions that we will be getting to uh, this evening, so thanks for sending those in. We do also have some exciting news for uh, most likely our next podcast. I don't want to guarantee anything, Lesko, because, you know, things could go awry but it does look like we're going to have our first caller first
1: friend of the show
0: first friend of the show i mean i'm assuming all of you out there are friends of the show but as you all may or may not know in this business we do say friend of the show when they are known followers or and or contributors so this gentleman uh not a local guy so if you are local and you're wondering hey why didn't they call us fuck off <laughs> you can call in after we need a big name we need a big name now this guy's not necessarily a big name but i'll i'll wait to introduce him next week hopefully when we have him on let go but basically i think some of you out there will know who this gentleman is and some of you won't but he is a member of the of the media and uh actually he's looking forward to coming on so i'm really uh i'm really excited about it
1: i was gonna say it's like calling up a guy from the minors but it's more like this guy's getting sent down from the miners to be on our podcast. But here's the
0: thing, and I think we will cover this. One of the biggest things is it, where he where he's at. He can't be swearing, so he's like, "It's just not as it's not as real." You know, we have to tell news and whatnot in a fashion that doesn't offend anyone, and that's pretty difficult to do in uh, 2018, almost 2019, isn't it, Lesko?
1: Yeah, well, as I think you know. I think what uh, some members of the media enjoy about the podcast environment is—it's got that laid-back, more casual conversation type thing going, yeah.
0: and it kind of anything goes. So we'll see what we can uh, get out of them. Uh, almost Howard Stern-ish, if you will, like trying to get you know, suck some information out of them. But we'll see. Anyway, enough plugging that—that's—that's uh, that's next week. So we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But definitely make sure you're tuning in. Uh, things are really looking up here on the Pucks and Deep podcast, and we, as always, thank you for your attention and your following. But we'll dive right into it. Let's go. What do you want to go off first? You want to talk about Yao, Yao, Mike Yao? Mike
1: Yao. Right? Yao. Not great. Not anymore.
0: (laughs) Wow for Yao? Yeah, man. So, Blues, it's been coming. It's been coming.
1: I figured, and this is another one of those GMs trying to salvage the season type situation where the Blues are definitely underperforming. I mean, you take one look at that roster and the expectations for a team – with that kind of forward and defensive depth, uh, there's there's just higher expectations for such a team. I know they're not getting the goaltending that they might want to see out of Jake Allen, but might, <laughs> might, yeah, they're gonna they're or gonna might. need a lot more out of him if they're gonna claw their way back into it. But you know, the West there's there's been a quite a few disappointing stories in the West thus far, so uh, you know it's not all all gone. For them, But, you know, I, I was taking a look at some of their stats earlier today, and you look at who's putting up points for those guys. And Ryan O'Reilly was their big offseason acquisition. Great centerman, you know, put him on the top line there with Tarasenko. But after those two guys, it drops off significantly. They're not getting enough out of guys like Steen, guys like Shen, um, you know, Bozak. What can you expect out of him? He's basically a, a third-line center there. That the guy, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was looking at, uh, you know, I pulled up their depth chart here. By the way, that site for death charts is down. Did you know that?
1: Which one was that? It's
0: not down. Like, you can still get it up, but apparently it's not being updated as of this week. Oh, really? Yeah, so I ended up following the guy on Twitter. He actually just tweeted me back, said, don't worry, it's coming back. Oh, okay. That's he good. Says, yeah, he says, don't worry, it's coming back. It's going to be better than ever. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at their their uh, depth chart here. Let's go. They got... They got a few uh, down the list. When you look at the drafted first round, drafted first round, drafted first round. You know, you're talking Jaden Swartz, you're talking Vladdy Tarasenko, uh, you're talking Robbie Fabry, who can't stay healthy. Uh, Robert Thomas, who shows some uh, shows some uh, excitement for the future. Um, down the list, you're you're getting into the uh, Petrangelo's drafted in the first round as well. You know, so I mean, they they've got a lot of great players to to build a core around, um, but. I just don't know where they're headed. I mean, what was the core before, right? They had um Oshi was around, right? And that was back when David Perron was there the first time, right? Uh, and he was really good. Um and then it it kind of turned from there and they moved a lot of guys out and then they brought in new players and of course acquired picks and drafted good players like Ter- the Tarasenko's and the Schwartzes of the world as I mentioned. But I don't know. I mean, like you're saying they're 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 looking for more from guys I'm looking at that back end, it's not getting it done. A guy even like Colton Pareko um was, was looking high even in fantasy Les go. So you're not just talking about a guy contributing on the ice. You're talking about a guy that's gonna probably get some points too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I but mean, this just at, hasn't been coming. Looking at their defensive core as well, I mean for years we've been you know, I've been saying that they have one of the <clears throat> stronger, you know, top fours at least in the NHL and I know bow is getting older and but I still, I I think the expectations are much higher. So I think the move is definitely aimed at salvaging the season and getting those guys going somehow. And, you know, it, it, Armstrong has been there for a while as well as the uh, general manager, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so yeah he has been. So these guys are, are often trying to save their jobs, right? And this is kind of all they can really do because as we know in the current cap era flipping guys flipping players around is not as easy as it once was
0: No it's definitely not and and everyone seems to be overly committed to this narrative about well you know a change of scenery is good for for a guy and like I'm not saying I don't agree with that stance it's just like it just get it just gets thrown out there Way too easily.
1: Well, it's just it it basically saying that you're rolling the dice. Yeah,
0: I guess. Like you know, you couldn't you couldn't hedge your decision anymore by saying, "Well, you know, I think it's just it's good for a a change of scenery." (laughs) Like, what are you talking about exactly? Like, yeah, that happens for guys. They step into a new room. Maybe they've moved on from some less than ideal relationships with other team. I don't know, but
1: I think that a lot of time to play, man. A lot of time that's code for. There's some shit going on in that room and the yeah. change of scenery is in. We're taking you out of our scenery so you can go elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I guess. So Yo's out. Um, Craig
1: Barube is in. He's an old bruiser, eh?
0: He is an old bruiser. I
1: remember him uh, playing with the Flyers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, he was a big mean guy for them. I guess late 90s, early 2000s, yeah, I want to say. It, yeah,
0: you're bang on, dude. You're bang on. Yeah. Um, Thousand fifty four games regular season games in the NHL. Pretty how many good, pims? Pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I'll have to scroll down. That's that's that. that's
1: but, probably his main stat because yeah, you know it's not points.
0: Yeah, we played for the Flyers, the Leafs, the Flint goalie go, the Flames, uh, the Capitals, and the Islanders. Playing career was from nineteen eighty six to two thousand and four. So, oh wow! Yeah, pretty stuck around. Yeah, pretty long career. Um, he was named the uh, Flyers affiliate in oh six oh seven. Their coach uh, at that time it was the Philadelphia Phantoms. Um, yeah, and then he was uh, promoted to Flyers NHL coaching staff uh, after they kind of reworked their whole franchise back then um, in to- 2006, Bobby Clark. So he's been around. Then he
1: worked his way up. Yeah, he he's gets been around. Break.
0: Spent some time with Hitchcock, spent some time with Stevens. So, I mean, the guy knows what's up. Um, at this point, I- I'm just wondering if it's a, if it's an interim kind of deal or if he's in to stay, I wonder.
1: Well, uh, I think the. When they do these midseason firings, uh, whether or not they place the interim label on the guys, some teams will say that publicly. Some won't. Yes, I yeah. think often it is a bit of a tryout because if if shit continues to go off the rails, or say the Blues uh, don't make the playoffs, I see them reevaluating the situation come off season.
0: Yeah, that's right. And then I was uh, sorry, I'm looking for my note in the uh, prep. I can't come across it here. I had something about Friedman. Friedman was saying that. Out of all the coaches, it looks like uh, Hitchcock, and, of course, we'll get to that very shortly, looks like Hitchcock will be the one to maybe stick around in Edmonton, of course, because they relieved Todd McClellan
1: of his duties also. Now, Now that's that's the big story, I guess, and kind of gave the Blues a PR break because it happened, I think, shortly after Yeah, us being in Canada, too. Obviously, that's a a dominant headline, especially given the Oilers' recent struggles because – when we were talking at the end of last week, I'd mentioned you know in our in our notes and everything that I wanted to talk a lot of oilers and kind of analyze the situation going on out there and then you know they have another bad weekend and they finally give' them the show 'em the door right and
0: yeah, and
1: now, have you seen all those uh, those memes and stuff on online comparing Hitchcock to Paul Bearer? Uh, no, <laughs> so not only does he look like him, but he kind of sounds like him too. Because yeah. like for a big gruff guy, he has that soft voice, that soft. Oh yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So there's all kinds of shit going online there of people making the comparisons and like man. the mustache oh, and everything. So if you got a chance, just Google okay uh, Hitchcock pallbearer and you get yourself a laugh out of that. Okay, I'll take your
0: word for it, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, so word on the street, um, Hitchcock, very strategic style of coach. Um, he makes an impact quickly. His resume uh, speaks for itself. He's had several, uh, not interim positions, but he's had several occasions where he's had to take control of a team and, you know, hopefully make changes for the better. And then, of course, we are also talking about his Olympic resume, too which uh, in itself, Lesko, you have to bring together a team and coach that team in a very short period of time. Now, everyone will be quick to say, yeah, but it's Team Canada. I could open the door Yeah, for Team Canada. But generally speaking, I mean, the players respect the coaches. The coaches do their job as well, and everybody wins. So you can't take anything away from the guy just because he's got a good team. Um, so anyway, they're hoping that he's able to, yeah, do just that, have an impact. And turn things around. And if that is possible, and if Hitchcock can actually prove to do that, that's where Friedman is saying that the rumblings are out there, that really no one is in a position to continue on.
1: Hmm.
0: But Hitchcock has a good opportunity. Now, that's not to say that there's no chance that any of these coaches come back. They're probably just as likely to come back as any other interviewee has a shot. What they're saying is, let's play this season, and then we'll find a coach moving forward. It right. could be you. We, I, we don't know.
1: I see them bringing in Hitchcock to inject some structure, but it goes back to what we were talking about about GMs trying to salvage their seasons and salvage their jobs. And what better example than Peter Shirelli, a guy who was brought in along with McClellan after McDavid was drafted to right re, you know um, restructure and. Change this team and and put them on a winning path. And thus far, his track record is piss poor. Oh, I mean it's it's real bad. I don't bad. know how he's still there. And you look at what some of the moves he's done. Notably, the Lucic one—you pay a guy six million dollars who can't score. Yeah, um, can't do it. You know, anything. he. It, it, a lot of people that I've spoken to about it. Um, someone made a point that it's like he wanted to take the the 2011 Bruins mold and apply it to the Oilers. Oh, absolutely. You know, let's get big, that's let's fair. get tough, and yeah. that's so, you know, I shouldn't say old school because it wasn't that long ago. It's but antiquated, it, though. It, it's not where the the league is moving, and here you've got the fastest player in the NHL or the fastest player we've ever seen play hockey, yeah. and you're surrounding them with with
0: plugs essentially
1: yeah and like they're they're such a top heavy club where everything is dependent on the play of McDavid and Drysaddle now and there's not much around and I always get a kick out of the the opinion articles they're like well they need wingers well guess who they traded within the last two years Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle who are thriving in other environments right now so it's like it definitely come it's this whole mess is most certainly Shirelli's doing and unfortunately, McClellan becomes a casualty of it because, say, the Oilers do claw their way into the playoffs, then Shirelli might buy himself a little bit more time. Sure. And, and given the circumstances, looking at the the layout of the division, the division's shit right now. Um, They could stumble into the playoffs at the rate they're going right now because they're not they're not out of it by I any know, means. I know. They've just got off to a, a pretty shitty st- start when, once again, and we mentioned this in earlier episodes, that... They're probably thinking more along the lines that two years ago Edmonton Oilers are a more accurate reflection of what they are, not last season's Oilers.
0: Their division is terrible. I mean oh, yeah. like they, they are not playing well and no one is happy with what's going on. They're ten, ten and one. And they're fourth in the division. They got four teams behind them, man.
1: Yeah. Like they're they're not exactly on the outside looking. I know they're not in a playoff spot right now. No, no, I know what you mean. we're expecting Vancouver to regress as what's been happening recently. Sure. Um, You know, Colorado is... But they're
0: still under 500. Vancouver is under 500. Yeah,
1: exactly. They're so under five hundred. It goes so to show you and they've two, lost they've yeah. lost five in a row.
0: There's only two teams in that division that are that are doing anything, and it's San Jose and Calgary. And even Calgary has been kind of hit and miss, and so has fucking San Jose. That's so right. Nobody right. has emerged. We, we talked about this last pod right. or the pod before, and I said my surprise was the whole goddamn Pacific. They haven't changed my mind. But listen, I wanted to talk about something. You touched on it. You touched on how dependent the Oilers are on, on McDavid and Dreisaitl. Let me dig deep into McDavid here. I'll give you a stat I came across today. Um, so Connor McDavid is factoring in right now at 50.8% of the team. Which is
1: it. absolutely outlandish. It's unheard of.
0: To put it in perspective, for you listeners, that was 5-0, 50.8. So almost 51%. Of Edmonton's goals. To put that in perspective, the best season in NHL history, Wayne Gretzky in 1985-1986, 215 points. But the Edmonton Oilers collectively scored 426 goals. So that means that Wayne was a part of 50.5%. So just slightly less than what Connor is doing right now. To put that in perspective is quite an insane statistic because Wayne was amazing. Connor is amazing. Wayne was in another era. I get that. But the percentages don't lie.
1: Right, right. Okay? And I don't see that... The percentages
0: do not lie. If they scored a lot back then, that's great. But the percentage of who was doing the scoring is very relative to what's going on today, even though there's less scoring. It's still relative. Oh, yeah. He's doing more scoring on this team than fucking Wayne did in Wayne's prime.
1: Yeah. It's insane. I don't see that trend changing either because you look around McDavid and like we said who they have on that team I don't see who else is going to pick up that slack like yeah I know they they want Lucic and these other guys to score goals but it's it's not coming and and they've been playing a, a very high tempo high risk run and gun offensive system and Hitchcock's got to clamp down and try and get them to win games 2-1, no doubt.
0: And then they win their first game with Hitchcock. What was they it did. 5-4 in OT. They won an though? OT, yeah.
1: High over, scoring. Yeah, high scoring game. So and it's tough to do. Like, it's going to be hard for them to change the way McClellan's had them playing, and McClellan's just trying to get the most out of everyone. But what's going to happen now, I think we're going to see that, you know, their bottom six are going to be tasked with defensive, zone, strong defensive zone play okay. instead of this run-and-gun stuff because... It starts the, there. I think they're trying to play that um, high octane style to try and draw out some more offense to find out who else can score goals for this team.
0: Yeah, good point.
1: You know, and yeah. and at the same time though, they're run. They've been running David, I shouldn't say into the ground because he's not showing any signs of slowing down. But he was upwards of twenty six, twenty seven, oh, twenty eight yeah, minutes. Yeah, how do you not night. though? If you're well, McClellan, how do you not? Put of course out the best not. On and fucking planet? It's hard to to disagree with that. But it's it's something that dis, despite him being one of the best players in the game it can't be viewed as sustainable, right?
0: I hear you, but I mean, you know what? That number at 50.8%, I'm gonna write that down somewhere. Although I guess these these preps they stay they stay, eh? Like they don't they don't disappear. They're no? in the
1: cloud, man. That's what I'm saying. Though they're alive, they they'll can be, be there. They can be reached. So what yeah. I'm saying is, I'd like to. I come taught back. Josh about the cloud. Yeah. He did not know about I don't Google Drive. Know about the cloud. Yeah. This is how we this is how we collaborate. Yeah. Anyhow, He's got everything written down on paper in a folder, and I've got everything. Coleman Insurance <laughs> scratch pads, <laughs> yeah.
0: but I should send you home with a few.
1: I've got some. You Cal- send me one every year. Calendars
0: are coming in. Come on, yeah. I must have given you at least
1: two. Are they new? nudie calendars though well i could probably get you a nudie calendar yeah, all right wanted. then might well, be a few i'll, I'll renew this. my home insurance i might you... have
0: to sponsor the program <laughs> but we'll get that done
1: so what about that oilers trade
0: <laughs> yes yeah, i was actually going to bring you that up because you said you were like oh i wonder who's going to step up well are we thinking at all that uh, ryan spooner might be able to step up is that something uh is that something that they want to go for that's a that's a ryan Strom for ryan spooner so the two ryan's Changing sides, Oilers and Rangers.
1: I don't up. see it doing a whole lot for them. I know it's it go, it's almost like that change of scenery type thing. Yeah, but you look at, right. at, go back even further into the trade tree. Right, they sc- traded away Eberly Yeah, uh, to the Islanders to get Strom because they wanted an, another centerman. Right, and but they sacrificed some offense and some some wingers that could have contributed. Now they bring in another. Uh, basically, another third line center. They've swapped third line centers, so I'm not sure if they're going to expect an injection of offense. Because as of right now, their second line center is Nuge, right? Correct. Yeah. So, and and you want to get him going as well, but he doesn't have any wingers to play with. So I I don't see it having a, a, a much of an impact. I I don't I actually don't understand the trade really at all. Like I that don't one I don't get. Yeah. Like I haven't heard too much analysis on it because it just seems insignificant it's like I don't get what the the impact is and it it could be another one of those just the GM trying to do something you trying to do something to salvage his job because I you know if it was up to me I don't think he would still have it so here's an interesting question for you in terms of Shirelli though how much blame I know publicly he has to wear this but how much blame does he actually deserve? Because if there's anything we know about the Oilers organization is that the higher-ups than Torelli have had their hands and fingerprints over the team's moves for over a decade now and have been running that franchise in the ground forever.
0: Yeah, but see, that's where it gets sticky because we don't know the level of influence. Is it the level where you do this or you're fired? Or is it the level where you do this... Please? Like, you know what I mean? There are some teams I'm sure that just fucking give the reins and the keys over and sit back and just watch their bankroll. And as soon as bankroll starts to hurt, they start asking questions. Yeah. They don't even know how to fucking play. Yeah. Or they don't know anything about analytics, or you want to put a playmaker with a sniper and a grinder, like you're playing NHL 2012. Mm. You're gonna gotta do the synergies with each other, put the right like they don't know any of that. So they just say here, Lasco, you fucking do it. And then when it starts to not look so good anymore and I'm the fucking owner. And it doesn't look very good to me. Like now I'm coming to you. So you're right. It goes down the it goes down the chain. I'm sure with teams like, you know, Toronto was a good one and we saw that firsthand as fans. Like we just couldn't do anything yeah. when we were under the teachers. When we were under the teachers, we couldn't do anything. Yeah. It started out well when they first bought it because it was like, oh, cash cow, like Leafs are fucking making the playoffs, Sunday. And like everything's amazing. And then it was like, okay, no, <laughs> like well, there's no adjustments. It's in It's no cap good, era. yeah, it's no good, you know. So it was no good, and they had a lot of influence. So yeah, then when the Leafs decided to switch it all up, they said, okay, here we're gonna give the keys to you guys, and you guys are gonna make everything work, or you guys are gonna actually do hockey operations and hire the smart minds to be in the right position that they need to be in. Mm. And now we see the the product and, and we're I, seeing the product of that much earlier granted because we won the lottery and got austin matthews but mm-hmm. look at us play without austin matthews but you, and the you product look product the, is there
1: you look at the uh, from a management standpoint with the leafs example they gave the keys to shanny and gave him autonomy let him run the show and it looked like the oilers were doing a similar thing when they brought in Charlie, they brought in mcclellan but i just get the impression that got those old boys like mac t and, and stuff are still pulling the Pulling strings and it's gotta be coming from from Kate's at the top. Because ever since this guy's owned the team, he's run it like a super fan donkey. It has.
0: It's been it's been terrible. It's been almost to the point of like a like a Melnick owner and Dorian
1: situation. Yeah, both. just less public meltdowns. Less, <laughs> Yeah,
0: less public meltdowns. And for our Sens listeners, don't be fucking like throwing things at your radio here. I'm not chirping. I'm just saying, like, there, there was some. Sorry, right. they hate woos. Melnick. No, they no, hate him but I just mean, as much as everybody. But I'm talking about some Dorian trades. So they're oh, going to yeah, start yeah. being like, no, but the, 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 this trade was fine and the Duchesne. And I know all that's fine and dandy, but we're not going to know the Duchesne trade impact until like another six or seven years. Until we find out what that pick is. Yeah. Oh. We won't know what that trade tree is gonna turn out to be until that pick either is or fucking isn't. It'll be
1: interesting to watch, that's for sure.
0: But I mean, you're right. Like Shirelli wears it. There's just there's there's too much shit going on, there's too much uh too much trades that just don't make any sense and didn't do a fucking goddamn thing. And are you prepared to, you know, really blame the guy for trying to make a move? Like maybe not. It is his job. General managers, just like coaches, let's go, they're hired to be fired. No one's yeah. gonna work the job yeah. for the rest of their fucking
1: life. His his resume and his record though on trade signings is, is poor, but they've got pieces, so it's it's not all shit. I mean, you look what they have the best player in the league, right? And they've got you know, they've got good young defense. they got nurse, they got Clefbaum. I mean, Talbot I guess the jury's still out on him. I no, mean, it's he, not. He looked, I fucking dropped him. You I dropped him. So, he, dropped so him. he's done then. If dro- you dropped him, then dropped he's him. done. I dropped him. Fuck him. Well, his numbers are just god awful oh. right now. And I mean, they need a hell of a lot more to him. And. They're probably happy they signed that three million dollar backup from the K. Man, What's his man. name? I don't even know his name. Koskinen? Yeah. Nico like that. Koskinen. Yeah. I, I was laughing at them in the offseason for throwing three three million bucks at someone who's never even <laughs> stepped foot in, in North America. He's
0: looking pretty good actually. I'll well, jump the side bit, well, I wouldn't say, them out a little bit. I wouldn't say pretty good, but he's definitely looking better than Talbot. I actually spot started him last week in the pool. But I earlier when you were talking, you saw me fucking laugh. I was laughing because I'm just scrolling down looking at all these Shirelli trades, and the, oh. the Larson for Hall one pops oh, up, and God. it's just like, oh, my God. Like, I understand that hindsight is 2020, but the eye test is
1: also 2020. Well, just at the time, it was... I mean, if I thought he it flies was a bad around the idea, ice, Could you
0: imagine having him and McDavid together?
1: Yeah, and I remember at the time, there was uh, kind of rumblings around the league... That other GMs were like, I didn't know Taylor Hall was on the market. I didn't know he was on the market. I would have given them twice that for him. You know what I no, mean? No. Like, yeah. I didn't so hear that. Really? It's not. It doesn't okay. sound like he was shopped very aggressively. Like it sounded like he contacted a few teams. For he had targeted guys in mind, so it's. He it, was it's, the
0: guy that walked into a car dealership and bought it
1: basically yeah instead he's of like, like calling around like and, i want the beamer he's yeah. like do you got the beamer he's like well we got a we got a 98 beamer <laughs> you yeah. can afford that <laughs> but
0: like you know what i'm saying you walk into a dealer you look around and then you see okay i'm just gonna look at my options you don't just fucking buy it the first one you see yeah exactly so that's the idea he shopped him around or didn't sorry didn't shop him around and geez i don't know yeah i don't know it goes it goes way back you got to remember too eh? like Talbot was not a draft pick, and some people get confused by that too. Talbot was acquired via trade as well. Yeah. Rangers.
1: Yeah. They gave Um, him three picks for him. Yeah, you're right. Three Mm -hmm. picks.
0: Well, I mean, they got one back, and the, the one was a seventh for a seventh. So let's call that a wash. It was the same year, seventh round, so it literally is a wash. Unless one of those teams, like, absolutely, you know, tanked in uh in 2015 i don't even remember what it was like back then but it was that year they they traded a bunch of picks in 2015 and they got cam talbot so it looked kind of good early Lesko. like I, I remember i drafted talbot in some pools because i mean how could you not draft the goaltender
1: for mcdavid's team it's oh good. absolutely it's one of those
0: things where like okay i'll take the goals against but they're
1: probably going to win and go and go going back to mcdavid what what my concern is as a general hockey fan this is not good for the nhl they, they want this guy in the playoffs every single oh my God. season. It's, so it's, yeah, yeah. I, I just, my concern is them wasting his prime years. And I think that's why the Oilers definitely know this in the back of their heads that they can't tear this down and hit the reset button again. And that might be why Shirelli's still going to cling on for longer than we might think because he's going to have more of a chance to build around those pieces that they do have. But what worries me is that the assets that they did have, I mean, you could argue that two years ago, they were in a better position just based on the roster alone.
0: Why did Connor sign for eight years? I want you to tell me why you think Connor McDavid signed
1: for eight years. The money.
0: Yeah, but no, that doesn't make sense because he will be underpaid by millions of dollars by the end of that deal. He's already
1: underpaid. He was I underpaid de- the day he signed it. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, 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 I talk about this all the time. And people that don't even give a fuck because really the contract game isn't something that the average like passerby kind of fan cares about. Well, and it's, it's, they just care about watching it on TV. They don't give a fuck about, like, how many years he's got left or right. what kind of negotiating tactics might be going on. But we do. We're big fans.
1: Well, and it's, it's such a story now in the cap era. And my my first impression when he did sign the deal and the, the storyline about him taking less, which... I mean, even whether he took less or he didn't take less, he's still getting underpaid. Yeah, but even Com- if he t- compared t- to what he's worth for the team.
0: But even if he took the league max in five years, and that's actually a wrong number, in two years mm-hmm. he'll be underpaid.
1: Yeah, and, and I think <laughs> what they're doing though, and it goes back to what he's saying, is did he take less, did he not? I I assume that he did because Every NHL team is going through this with their superstars, whereas they're like, if you want us to be able to build a winning team around you, we need some extra cap space. Your dollars are... But unfortunately, it all it all depends on how you manage that cap space. If you go through $6 million at Milan Lucic, that's not really managing... You know, if right now Connor McDavid's like, give me that $6 million. Yeah. I, 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 turf yeah. this bomb. That may-
0: no, no, that makes perfect sense. For me, it's just all about how... The the cap is is continuing to rise. It's not going to be going down. I mean, unless we enter some sort of fucking depression or you know, economical disaster, it's not going to be going down. So, if you're a guy like McDavid, you crash into the boards collarbone first, and you think to yourself, "I need security. What if something happened?" Okay, that is a fine argument. I'll take that argument all day long. Even though I'll always, ref- I think that- I'll always refute that argument by saying. Name me the last superstar player that had his career ended before he was able to make any cash.
1: I would assume that is the the bulk of the feeling that the players will take security over rolling the dice. Cause I, I, and I agree with your point, because we had this conversation recently about, about Matthews. It's like, you know, maybe he takes a five-year at a ridiculous number, and then signs at an even higher number down the road down when the there's road. more cap space available right. due to the fact the cap's going up. And we but all I, know this. But I think they take that security all day just because you don't know. You don't know if you're going to get hit by a goddamn bus walking, walking out of the rink. No, you know I know totally I mean? agree. So but I
0: just, it, it creates a disconnect for me where I'm unable to fully comprehend the back and forth when you're saying, okay, well, both sides want term. Right with star, well, with star, of, with star, star players, players yeah. Both teams want term, so they're they're showing Dermot hopping off the ice. That was funny. That eh? was great. His skate broke and he's hopping. Anyway, um, yeah, like most most star players, the teams and the player and the agent, everyone wants term, but then they argue over the money. So it's like, what's the difference between you know? I know the difference is three years, but. Generally speaking, what's the difference between a eight year deal at a high number or a five year deal at an even higher number because your contract is gonna be over sooner. You'll make more money in the shorter term, and then when your contract is over, you can go back and make even more money.
1: A lot of it too for the uh for the teams is buying up those UFA years. Yes. So that's they a pay good point. for those years to not have to deal with potentially losing you to the open market. Um, but like you said, from a player's perspective, if if it is all about money for you at the end of the day, you you wanna utilize your prime UFA years when they're available to you. And so. when
0: you're yeah, when they hold the most value. Yeah. Right. As as you would want. Because you don't want to be at way at the end of your you know, career and you're not going to be able to make much. But again, you know what? In six or seven years when a guy who's, let's just use any guy, I can't even think of one, someone who's just going to be coming down to the end of their career and uh, they they can still maybe score 20 goals for you, what are they going to be getting paid? Remember when a guy like Mason Raymond was making $1 million? And we, and we used to be like, oh, there's a million-dollar player. Yeah. And he scored a shorthanded goal, I remember, one time on the West Coast in a late-night game. And I was like, that's a million-dollar player right there because that, that was the joke. He signed for $1 million. We were so shit he was one of our best players. Yeah, he was That's one of our best players, said. yeah. <laughs> so my question is the $1 million guy and the $950,000 guy like Tyler Ennis, what what's that guy going to be
1: making in six, seven years? Two? Two, five? I, I don't think much more because there's still this market. We're seeing a, a, a gap in the market now, right? Um, the middle class in the NHL, they say, is being eliminated because okay. these superstar salaries are eating up such a high percentage of the cap, whereas you can't afford to have a bunch of 5 and $4 million players anymore. You have to be able to sign a few guys or bring up a few guys from the minors that are only going to cost you league minimum or a million bucks a season. Um, the Leafs did this for a while in their crappier years in the lead-up to the Matthews years, where they were like PA Parento's and guys like that, where it's like one million, one million, one million. Maybe we can flip you for an asset, but yeah. we're not going to co- get committed to any big, overinflated free agents that we're going to overpay for and regret in two years. Yeah, right. You're so, right. so there's there always going to be a market for yeah. for guys plugging in, especially among uh, successful teams who have forty percent of their cap being eaten up by uh their by, by the star yeah. players yeah so that you can plug in guys at 1 million bucks 750 grand whatever league yeah. minimum is now
0: yeah you know i don't know i mean for me i just maybe i'm in the minority i, I probably am because I, I i like to see the change you know i don't i don't want to see matthews leave the leafs okay but let's just use it as an example well of course i'd be devastated as a fan i'm not going to go burn the jersey i bought i don't give a fuck if he requests a trade and you know, maybe he wins a cup in Toronto, and then afterwards he's like, "Yeah, I always hated playing." Now here. we're taking talking. Nightmare I don't care, shit. <laughs> but I don't care, especially if we won. I really don't fucking care. I right? guess not. Eh? so the the, the but, the, but the point I'm saying is I don't mind the change. I don't mind the 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 parity in the league getting even stronger if you're able to have some of these star players move on from places that don't deserve
1: them. Yeah, yeah. There's a fair. There's they a don't out there.
0: So let them finish last then, and let them lottery and get a new guy and build a new culture around that new guy, and let the guy that's there now walk because he doesn't deserve to be there. Like you said, he's being wasted. Key key words, fucking being wasted in this league in Edmonton and fucking tire fire.
1: But they always kick up a stink. Like, and I mean, there's nothing stopping for McDavid in two years being get me the hell out of here. And I'm sure, in the back of their minds, they would be a little bit concerned about that because if this season is a tire fire and next season is a tire fire, he can't be happy. I mean, like I said, know you're what's going to happen. I, it goes back to my point earlier about wasting prime years. And I don't want to sound like we're beating the shit out of Edmonton because, like I said... It's, yeah, but they deserve it. I would love it for them to salvage their season and make the playoffs. And you want to see Connor McDavid playing more hockey because it's good for the league. So... In all honesty, you know, hopefully they turn it around. But at the other side of me is like they're still paying for, for mistakes and they seem to be repeating the same mistakes over and over again because no sympathy to a team that's drafted four times first overall in the last seven years or whatever it is. And a bunch of other times in the top ten and still haven't managed to make themselves into contenders. So. I still
0: have a recording of myself. um, what draft? I don't even remember which one. The draft lottery in
1: Edmonton was announced, and like oh, I, when they got McDavid?
0: No, wasn't it? Which how how many in a row did they have before? I McDavid? don't even know. That's man. what I'm I saying. Say I've
1: lost track. I I only know it's four times in the last seven or whatever years. But... Four in the last seven.
0: So it's a joke. Nuge Nuge was in uh, eleven. McDavid was in fifteen. Drysaitel was fourteen. Uh, PRV, I think it was PRV. Not that it really like like not that it really mattered. You were just mad that they got that high of a pick. Sorry, no, it wasn't. It wasn't PRV. Of course, it wasn't PRV because he he was drafted fourth. Excuse me. It wouldn't even be Drysaddle either because Drysaddle was drafted third. Anyway, who fucking cares? Um, my point was I have myself on recording losing it because it was Edmonton again because Toronto was in there. I feel.
1: Well, we were we were somewhere in the running for McDavid. Like and fifth, my favorite, my fifth, favorite I was think. was that clip of McDavid's like his initial reaction when because they had him on TV, I, yeah, and he just had this like real dumbfounded look. He's like, "I gotta go play with all those pigeons in, yeah, in Edmonton. Yeah, Screw yeah. that!"
0: Eh. I remember seeing that on on video. Lesko. you're right, and they did show him as well uh, when the Leafs were announced, and I remember zero reaction, and I remember thinking like. Good, good work. You know what I mean, like because he was a Leaf fan. I'm gonna say is because I don't feel like even though if he plays in the NHL, like you're still always gonna be a little bit of a Leaf fan. Sure, he's so, tuning in for a few games. Well, look at John Tavares, right? Good, good <laughs> example. But anyway, my point is like, um, there would have been I would have I wouldn't have been able to necessarily hide it completely. Like, uh, like there would have been some sort of muscle flinch or something when the Leaf card came up and it was, and it was proven to me that my dream of being drafted by them was was over even though it was like lucky right because he's the best player coming through he knows he's 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 crosby right he's mario like he's guys that you need that you want that you can't wait to have yeah that are going first overall
1: generational talent yeah
0: exactly so like whatever team the card shows that's where you're going bud so obviously you know he probably had a few sleepless nights wondering what it would be and and maybe maybe trying to like Rehearse reactions.
1: We got to prepare yourself for just about anything. And I think that's what he said to himself. When the Leafs
0: come up, like you're not going to them. You're not. They're like six or seventh best odds, and they're very small. What did we have last? Go like three percent. It, was, like we it were wasn't up, great. We were up there. We ended up but, drafting
1: Mariners. We got the yeah, well, fourth, yeah, fourth fourth, pick fourth, that yeah. year, which um, nobody's going to cry about that no, either. So.
0: No, 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 no. Of course not. But, of course, back then it was a big deal. Yeah. And I did. You're right. That was the one it was, Lesko, because I had my camera like set up. And I put it on just just in just case just in the off chance so just in case it was the Leafs and I I wanted to have it on recording where I was going to lose my to fucking watch you mind. run through a wall in case yeah. they got him <laughs> yeah you know it just would have been something fun to obviously share on social media and stuff but yeah. the video of me realizing that Edmonton wins yeah was like oh my god are you kidding me like again you know yeah I
1: remember oh, my god. reaction being quite negative and just being like screw you guys because of all the draft picks they've got all right, well but. let's
0: get the fuck away from Edmonton. yeah, yeah let's do that other trade guys. let's talk about that other trade real quick and then i think that's probably it hey eh? or is there are we missing anything that you want to
1: get to well i wanted to make that point about uh just back to coaches um i wonder how many of these teams that turf their coaches um called up q to see if he was interested in any of the jobs and it, my my impression is that no i'm thinking he's taking a sweet time he's getting paid six million bucks to hang out in chicago he was uh filmed at a bear's tailgate party recently hammering shots so <laughs> i was I gonna think, ask you about that i think he's just living it up having a good time it's it's great footage uh, for sure i'd so like check that out yeah
0: i like that in the notes had had his head straight over there and so what like, are we at for for a time beat. here in this segment do beat. you want to
1: hit uh penguins there for a bit yeah
0: yeah we'll talk the trade we got we got lots of time uh we'll talk the trade and then uh and then we'll take a quick break and i don't know maybe watch a little bit of the leaf game and then uh and then come back afterwards and do our do our leaf segment but uh at this point uh, any uh any shout outs that we're missing Lesko, uh that we went through or anything that you want to kind of bring up we'll just talk about the trade and then hit a break or what
1: yeah we'll hit uh we'll hit pittsburgh there cuz they made that trade where they shipped out haglin which I found was interesting because he actually played an integral role in those cup runs for them. Um, was the H B K line that yeah. one year yeah. with uh, with Kessel? Um, they and Benito, really Benito, off. Benito, Benito, yeah, yeah, Benito, Benito. Benito, yeah, yeah. That was a that was a good line for them, and yeah. you know, it's 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 goes back to he said once again with that change of scenery trade seemed to be the narrative surrounding this one, where the L A Kings. I found it interesting, and it was the point that you made to me about why would they trade. Uh, this one makes a no young sense. guy for a guy in Haglin, i A. I'm wondering if, if I thought initially that maybe L. A. wants to flip Haglin later at the deadline, but wouldn't Pearson carry an equal or better value? or yeah. may, maybe Haglin based on his playoff experience, but it, it's it it doesn't another trade that doesn't make sense because it doesn't. I can see Pittsburgh in making more sense because I think Pearson oh, for sure. has more offensive upside and and. Uh, long-term upside. He's locked down for a few more years at a reasonable, uh, a reasonable cap hit, and Pittsburgh needs more wing support right now because outside of their their centers and uh, and Kessel, essentially, they're not getting enough from guys like Gensel, um, yeah. you know, the, these guys who are not producing. So I think they see a Pearson as a guy who can plug into their top six, maybe make some contributions.
0: Yeah, you know, this one, this one, I didn't like. I didn't like this trade at all. Uh, I don't understand exactly what LA is going for. LA is quickly becoming my least favorite team. And not because of anything that they're doing wrong or losing or whatever. But I just... uh, Well, first of all, let me put it this way. I'm not that kind of fan that has... like I'm a Leaf fan and then like, Oh, I kind of like this team as my second team. And then... You know my thirteen, like no, I like the Leafs, and then that's fucking no, it. we're fucking diehards. I here. like Mario Lemieux, so like I had a I had a Pittsburgh thing like through the nineties, like and especially like when he returned. Remember when he returned last? We played the Leafs,
1: just torched them and scored, and yeah. I cheered
0: my fucking heart out <sighs> in the living room because it was just an emo- like a, a fucking epic emotional moment to see that guy come back and score. I didn't give a fuck that it was against the Leafs. Anyway, point is, um. I don't care about the other teams and uh, other teams piss me off when they do stupid things and Edmonton has been pissing me off. So we were fucking harping on Edmonton for a while. Um, L.A. starting to piss me off. I mean, they've pissed me off during during their cup runs. Congratulations on all your cups. How long are you going to be shit? The question now is how long are you going to be shit? And if they don't fucking trade... Doughty and or Kopitar, while they have any value, it's going to be the againless situation all over again in Calgary, only they won't even get anywhere fucking near the game six again. Now, they will always be able to be like, yeah, we won those cups back then. Okay, but back then will now be like fucking 12 years
1: ago. Yeah, I see them, hey, Right? It'll uh, be
0: quick. It'll quickly be like 12, 13 years ago. Oh, yeah.
1: I see them in a situation right now where they're going to take a hard look at what they are and what they can be in the offseason because in this previous offseason, them signing old-ass Kovalchuk there was like, a, we still think we have a shot. This year is obviously going to be a, a huge reality check for them because I really don't see them turning around. After watching the Leafs play them the other night, they they can't keep up man they just can't they're not built for today's game at all i understand hagelin makes them a little faster but once again you look at those contract values it, in the ages of, of those two guys it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and i'm and i'm pissed off at la too because i we spent a lot of time talking about him over the past few weeks and it's been for all the wrong reasons
0: yeah i mean that's the biggest part i the biggest problem i had with it lesco was the age and the contracts so um, I'm not sure exactly what Pearson's contract is. I don't know if you have time to get it up on your computer while I'm chit-chatting with you, but I know that Hagelin's is expired at the end of the year. So you've got Hagelin at 30 years old, a UFA at the end of the season, and you've got Pearson at 26 years old, and you'll let me know what his contract status is shortly. But I know it, I know it extends beyond the year. I believe it extends oh, yeah, beyond yeah. the year. He's, he's signed.
1: Yeah, he is signed through twenty twenty one at three seven five. Okay,
0: so there it is. So three seven five, through twenty twenty one. I'm writing all these. You know, I love my fucking notes. You called me out. on And you know notes. what? I if they
1: it. if they can get twenty five goals a season out of them, that's a steal. And you know what? Give credit to Jim Rutherford. Ruther- uh rutherford of the penguins that guy's sneaky man like he's been around the block he's been a gm for like 30 plus years he makes good trades like he's traded
0: 30 plus first rounders oh
1: and he's not and he's (laughs) not afraid to trade guys and like he's trying to set up you know pittsburgh as having a rough year i wanted to get into that kind of segue off this trade talk but they're having a rough year um hopefully they come around and I, I do see them coming around and, and getting back into game shape here, especially with Crosby coming back tonight from injury. But he needs to make sure that they have they keep replenishing on the fly because they their window is getting smaller and smaller with Crosby and Malkin in their early thirties now. Oh man, their
0: window's closed. You think it's closed? I don't know if they have what it takes uh from the net starting a net. The net is probably their biggest do, concern
1: man. right now because with Matt Murray has been phenomenal the past what two, three years, I believe. Two years he's been in the league, couple of cups. Uh yeah, recently two, though, he, to he's start the season. Yeah, still a rookie, <laughs> just the guy is perpetually a rookie. <laughs> but yeah, with with what's going on with him this year, I mean that's that's a, a wart you can't really cover up, especially with no defensive depth on that team anymore.
0: Okay, so let me propose this trade. Let me propose this trade then, because you're talking about Rutherford, Rutherford being a sneaky guy. I wanted to ask you what you thought, and basically just clarify: there's no fucking way he trades the first this year, is there?
1: If they're say they're around, because usually this this happens yeah every the year. deadline yeah. right? They make a push. I don't if they're not in the playoffs or they're not going to trade that first to make the playoffs for sure. No. Okay. I, but they're dead last right now, which blows my mind. Like when's the last time that's happened pre Crosby? Oh, it would have to be. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, they're two wins. They're two wins away from jumping back into the race. And so, you know, it's not a very good reflection of what their situation is, but it's just shocking to see them below 500 in this position.
0: Okay. So, uh, barring anything crazy, um, I don't see them, Making a, a move on that first round pick because he's traded so many first round picks away. Um, I believe they haven't had a first round pick. We were talking about this in another group that I was in. I think they. I, I don't think they've had a first round pick since like 2013, and it was and it was Kapanen.
1: Yeah, and that's the kind of the cost of doing business when you're or when you're a perpetual maybe. contender, and you keep making those. Those last minute moves to try and put your team over the top.
0: Like I think it even go I think their last first round pick might go back to Ray Shiro.
1: Hmm. Like yeah, before I guess it was Rutherford. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right? So there was a lot of moves. I'm on their page right now. It takes too long to fucking find them. But um yeah, I, I'm worried about that. Um, I had two questions for you. One of them was uh if he was gonna trade the first round pick. I can't remember the other one. Um oh, I uh, wanted to see how you thought it was going to play out with Haglin. I mean, I, they, they,
1: they, uh, LA has to move Haglin. Yeah. an expiring contract. Absolutely. And maybe they think they can get a little more out of them, but when you look what went back the other way with Tanner Pearson, just
0: a future,
1: I, I mean, I guess as a deadline deal, Tanner Pearson is not, um, your the kind of guy you flip at the deadline because of, Nobody wants to pick up term at the deadline traditionally. No. So I see why Haglin could be a little more valuable or tradable in that situation. But still like if you're if there's something you're going to keep around for a while if they do decide to hit the reset button, Pearson's the kind of guy you want to keep around just given his age and if his if you think his ceiling is high enough, it definitely warrants that cap hit that he carries.
0: Yeah, and I mean as long as you're getting value, You're okay, right? Like, you're okay with any player that you have on your roster as long as you're getting value for that guy. I think that goes without saying for most general managers. The last one I wanted to give to you, I I couldn't remember it, so I just picked something out of the top of my head before. This is the actual one I wanted to bring up. So we were talking about goaltending in Pittsburgh. What if you were to offer Murray for Bobrovsky?
1: Now, there is an intriguing idea. Murray you, is, might, you might have to, to Murray, add something to that package, for, I think. On what side? On uh, Pittsburgh's side. Okay, I agree. So, yeah.
0: Murray is an RFA through 2020. So, you would have, like, Columbus would have Murray for, let's just say, the rest of this season. I don't know. Like, when do you pull the trigger on that? Well, moment? for
1: them to do that, they and it seems to be the storyline has been thus far that Bobrovsky doesn't want to stick around. Right? So... If you are Columbus, you walk in there, say, "Here is eight million bucks." You don't want it, okay? Well, you are out the door before the season's out.
0: Okay, you
1: yeah. know, or, yeah, or either that, or you you trade his rights, but then it's not as valuable. So, but I mean, like,
0: it, I feel like a guy like Bobrowski would would gladly re up in Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, uh, for sure, because it seems like
0: I mean that could really open that window again.
1: Oh, absolutely. It could it could give them it would put them right back into consider. I still consider them to be a contender because I think I, I you know, I like to think that Matt Murray's better than what he's shown us so far this year. Sure. And he's, he's had, had a also, lot to
0: go through injuries and in the death of yeah, his father, he's had a lot to go through. But he Don't tapered
1: off at the end of last year as well. Um so this is you know, this isn't just a recent trend with him. Yeah. He hasn't played well for quite some time dating back to last season.
0: All right. Listen, that's,
1: a, that's an interesting deal, though.
0: Yeah, I'd like to. I'm gonna write that one down and
1: just see how that works. Maybe I'll,
0: maybe I'll try and start a P- pucks and deep podcast rumor mill.
1: So we got a uh, start one of those bullshit rumor break Twitter accounts that just speculates. Yeah, on bullshit. Sure, whatever. Um, what, uh, how about that Twitter question? I was that's what yeah, I was gonna go. I, I wrote, that. I
0: wrote it down. We were just talking about Bobrovsky. Yeah. So just before the break, uh, we did get a couple more Twitter questions. So again, thanks, uh, thanks for sending those in. For those of you out there that listen to us and have Twitter, which is fucking all of you, um, shoot us one. Uh, If you can think of something that you'd want answered or anything that you're just wondering on a day, let us hear it because we don't mind uh, getting fed the topics, right? So um, Anthony uh, tweets us in. He was wondering what we thought versus or uh, excuse me, what we thought uh, between Bobrovsky and Panarin for Columbus. So they're going to have to make a. Some some key decisions, Let's go, they got Bobrovsky in the net and, of course, Panarin, their superstar forward, both on expiring contracts. And Anthony's wondering which player will garner the bigger deal. Now, not necessarily with Columbus, but just generally speaking, which player will receive the bigger contract. He thinks it's
1: Panarin, but he believes that there could be a case made for Bobrovsky. See, I think there's two different situations. If we're talking in Columbus and you're going to keep those guys... I think you're only keeping one of them at the end of the day. Agreed. You find out which one of them is more willing to sign, and you give them more money than you might have originally budgeted for them. Now, if they go to open market, I see it being Bobrovsky because goalies like that never go to the open market. That's what I was going to go for It would create a bidding ro- war because you could take a fringe team that – That may or may not make the playoffs, or a team that is a goaltender away from being potentially a contender, say like a Calgary, that would pay up for a guy like Bobrovsky. I mean, you look at Bobrovsky's numbers; he's been one of the best goaltenders for about three years now, statistically. And And for a team like Columbus, that's not—they're not world beaters by any means—but he gives them a chance to win every single night. And they're they're a team, you know, that's been quiet, sneakily good. Uh, We got a sample of that watching them play the Leafs the other. Night and they're actually a good, well-rounded team. Just other quiet. than Panarin and Bobrovsky aren't laden with superstar talent.
0: Yes, that's right, and that's why they are quiet because they're quiet in fantasy. No one, there's no sexy options. No, you like there's Atkinson. Sure, there's, but you get the bread Panarin, man. You get yeah. the bread man, and you get fucking uh, Bobrovsky and on Seth the case. Jones, that's about it. Sure, yeah, yeah that's about it. And th- they're basically I always call them the Minnesota Wild of the East. Yeah, they are. They got g- good goal tending. They got solid players, maybe one or two standouts, and win hockey games. Yeah. and lose in the playoffs. That's Credit. pretty much the two of them are pretty much identical. But listen, I'll get I'll give you my rundown. Um, I'm liking Panarin, and I'm just going to assume it's open market. Okay, I like how you touched on Columbus. I'll just touch on open market. I like Panarin on the open market, and the reason being is because these two players are going to be able to d- decide where they go. And I believe that a goalie like Bobrovsky would rather choose a team where he feels he can be successful in the crease, which now means you've eliminated probably a dozen or more teams. Over half the league, probably, Yeah. yeah. Whereas a guy like Panarin, he's a forward. He doesn't give a fuck about the goaltending or the D. He's got 31 options to go to. So that's where I like Panarin on a bigger deal because he's able to be like, yeah, I'll go to fucking St. Louis while they're at the end of their whatever or they're going fucking downwards, but I'll go there. Bad example because they wouldn't be able to afford him. But, you know, any team out there that's got a lot of cap space and isn't looking so great, you know, is he is he going to want to go there?
1: I wonder what it is about those guys and not wanting to stay there. Like, what is it torts like? And I was going to just give kudos to torts for everyone kind of laughed when they hired him and and he's done nothing but good things with that hockey club. But I'm wondering what it is about Aaron and, and Bob that want out of there. Is it something to do with the organization? Do they want to play in a bigger market? I mean, because Columbus, from what I can see, can afford to throw good money at these guys to keep them around. And it's, it's not like Columbus is a team that's tapering off either. They're, fair, they're the youngest team in the NHL.
0: It is Ohio.
1: Well, you know. Ask LeBron about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I sure, guess that I'm out. sure there's not the, the best talent in, in Bar Strange lurking around there. but I don't think so. It's a pretty gritty place. <laughs> I don't think so.
0: Have you ever seen that YouTube video? It's like a fake tourist video for cleveland no it's really funny man you need to look i'll check that out yeah we'll, we'll uh we'll, we'll fire us off to a break here maybe you can have a look at it over break jay and dan on uh with, like the first time they were on tsn like way back yeah they played it uh like when they were live at you know 2 a.m back in the day i was in university so i was you know whatever i was up studying um <laughs> And, you know, they played it, and it is fucking hilarious. It's just a joke. You know, it's like, come on down to Cleveland town, everyone. Who the fuck still uses a payphone? (laughs) Yeah, and then it's like a guy biking on a street, and then he's singing. He's like, this guy has at least two DUIs. (laughs) It's really good. It's really good. It just kind of... Sounds like Pembroke. (laughs) Chirps. Actually, you know
1: what? It kind of looks like You ever see the guys down at the beer store? uh with yeah, the rack on the bike and yeah, they're strapping the two four to yeah, the back of course, of guaranteed dewey guaranteed
0: everybody <laughs> sees that guy ripping around all right my man so um we're gonna take ourselves uh into a break here and uh when we come back we're what are we gonna do we're gonna rip on some leaves say eh? when we come
1: back and talk about some leaves damn right it's Kneelander week man oh boy the most important week Is next week
0: (laughs) Remember like forever ago When we were sitting in this exact spot And you were like I don't want to talk about it I don't even want want to talk about it at all And here we are You didn't think it was going to get this far Did you?
1: You know I I didn't And And mainly because I often Didn't want to think about it Yeah Now like I've been thinking about it More frequently and I'm excited. I'm still not wanting to. No, I
0: know. I'm excited to talk about it though, because it is coming down to it. So this is the time when we're going to be able to talk about it, and, and hopefully next week, if we're able to get our caller on, maybe something has happened. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I want to have a podcast, Sally. Let's hope so, but we'll see. We'll uh, we'll dive more into that when we come back here on the Pucks and Deep Podcast at PuckPod, at Coleman Forty Two at Let's Go Adam. Find us on Twitter. Shoot us some questions. We'll be right back. Right, we're back time for some leaf talk brought us in with some uh some mario kart let's go this level was the fucking worst
1: the beach level because you get in the water or skids and it would yeah you slid all over the place in the sand and you drop of the water and you, you had to get uh fished out
0: this is this was when the heavy guys like bowser and donkey kong would yeah, be they had better traction they had value yeah they had better traction their like four-wheel mm-hmm. drive
1: the funny thing about an old racing game like that is that, you know, like modern racing games and stuff, they'll give you stats on like the the car and whatever better traction. This yeah, and that. like of course. But yeah. the old Mario Kart, you literally had to feel out all the characters. Yes. to see like who was better at corners and who was a little quicker on the acceleration. Like, okay, it was all a feeling out process.
0: So who was your go to?
1: I it was always I was always heavy on Yoshi or just Mario because he was well rounded. Wow,
0: really? Yeah. Okay, so. Mine was Koopa.
1: Yeah. I don't know why people are all about Koopa. Maybe I didn't like him because he was just this ugly looking turd. <laughs> <laughs> Koopa had easy, easy the best handling of of all the characters. Like, and they all had uh, they all had equivalents too, right? Like who was Koopa's like equivalent? Because it was like Yoshi Princess, Mary Luigi, Donkey Kong, Bowser. Who oh, are we missing from sure. that? Toad. Toad, yeah.
0: You're right though. They are the. They would be- the equivalent.
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyway, great game.
0: Took a lot of my childhood. Kind of panicked. Uh, not didn't know what we were coming back into. And they have the whole fucking soundtrack on YouTube. Super Mario Kart. Just soundtrack. in case
1: you want to rock out to
0: yeah, the yeah, uh, go, Mario Kart. Like it literally goes. It fucking goes in order and, and and it lasts like the entire time that it would on the game. So that's like, where I'm pulling a, a, a lot of minute, those tracks
1: minute. from that we've been using. Yeah. It's, Like full. Recordings. Yeah, of... some
0: pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, so we set off the earlier in the pod that we were kind of uh, recording while the game was on. So we uh, we took a bit of an extended break there. Lesko, go, and we watched the game and watched Watch the, the third period. Yeah, well, sorry, we watched the third period yeah, and it wasn't great. Leafs <laughs> did score. They made yeah, we three, got to see two. Cappy
1: put one in somehow. Yeah, somehow, and well, then McElhinney let it in. See them bury two empty netters on them. Yeah, and then two empty netters. So.
0: Not a great... Uh, I'll have to watch the uh, condensed game or the extended highlights or something to get a bit of a better take. But it looked from my seat, uh, from what I saw in the background, for the most part that Leafs were heavily outplayed. It said so on the shot clock.
1: Well, yeah, big time. They got outshot. And from what I noticed in the little bits we did watch is um, possession did not seem to be in their favor. The, my initial reaction seemed every time I looked over, Leafs are scrambling around their net. Yeah. You know... Freddie, being Freddie though, Freddie looks gave, great. Looks like he gave them an opportunity yep. to yep. to win, but yeah, you know, can't get them all. They've, a bit of a softy on that one timer, a little bit. Yeah, because he, he got opened up only because it's five hole.
0: That's yeah. it. I yeah. don't care if it went under the arm. As soon as it goes five hole, it's never good. It's never good. I don't care if it's tipped. Goalies will agree. It's never good. Um, any, anyways, uh, yeah, Freddie looked really good. I'm excited about how solid he's been looking. But I said to you when we were watching the game there, just drinking the beer. Um, I think it's 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 at the point in time now where we're desperate for the return of Matthews. It's at the point now we're ready for him to come back. Let's go. All the guys have stepped up. They've they've really upped their games and contributed on the score sheet. The defensive style has been solid throughout. And when we've had to get into shootout style of games back and forth, we've done that too. So it's been a pretty successful uh, stretch without you know the superstar. But it's time now to bring him back. Let's go. Get back.
1: Well, it seems that from the reports we're seeing, he's been participating most recently in full practices, non-contact jersey. So I would expect that we see him within a week. And I you know, I don't think it's pressing, and that's probably why he can take his time. You want him to be 100%. But I'm with you. I'm chomping at the bit to see him back on yeah. the ice. Because yeah. like you said... Guys have stepped up in his absence. They've found a way to to put up a winning record in his absence. And pretty impressively along the way, there's there's no shortage of goals for them in most games uh, recently.
0: Well, we're getting some depth scoring. You talked about it off air during the break. A guy like Tyler Ennis has kind of changed your mind, right? Well, yeah,
1: I mentioned recently when we talked about who we thought would come out of the lineup and I don't really see I initially voted on Ennis. Um, I'm starting to lean more towards the goat or Levo, to be honest, (laughs) even though I think leave Levo has been great back to the popcorn, but you could see, (laughs) you could see maybe the goat coming out of the lineup there. Um, yeah, I'm with you there, but that, that bottom six has come around, uh, come along. I thought in the last, uh, couple of weeks, um, Andreas Johnson seems to be getting it going a little bit. He's creating some stuff, had a nice goal, Ennis. As we mentioned, had a nice goal as well recently. Yep. Um, yep. I, I'm really impressed. Actually, Lindholm stood out to me in particular the previous game against Columbus. Um, the guy, I see why they put him on the wing because his board play is fantastic. Yeah, he's he a... he's really handles himself well and makes good plays in tight, and seems to be able to have his head up and move the puck quickly and also position his body. Uh, well enough to shelter the puck.
0: Yeah, you see guys that uh, get into board play and they just kind of freeze it up, and then they're waiting to see, okay, where are my options? Who can bail me out? Yeah, well, yeah, but who can? Yeah, who can help me? Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm locking. This is my puck right now. I want it to be my puck. What can I do? Whereas I got like Lindholm is rushing in. He's already thinking, okay, I have to make this play and then move it deeper or come back towards the point because he senses where the help is. And that really helps uh, a cycle continue successfully. So when that line is, uh, is buzzing about and making good passes, they can actually create some havoc in the offensive zone. I mean, we have a pretty deep team. Let's go. It uh, goes without saying, obviously we're fans of the team. So we're going to be happy with our team. But I mean, I think as we all know, we've been through the shit, right? So it's like, we're able to notice quite a difference, man. And, uh, in the in the talent level and and what we see on the ice every night and the 15 and 15 and 7 record that we currently hold now is uh indicative of our play.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And seeing just what some of those guys have have done recently and I I talked to you earlier about the uh Johnson and Lindholm Brown line and I've they've seemed to they were playing in a shutdown role as well against the Panarin line against uh Columbus recently. And they seem to be finding uh, their way through the system and getting a bit of chemistry together because um, they weren't moving the puck like they seem to be now. But uh, defensively, I think, is what Babcock wants to mold them into. I mean, these guys could end up all together on the fourth line um, over time once we see the return of Matthews and potentially some other guy that used to play with him. Can't remember his name right now.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah.
1: So, um, one of the questions I wanted to bring up with you in the first quarter of the season, which we're at now pretty much, who is your MVP for the boys in blue?
0: You know, I like this question. Um, it could be a, any number of players. I mean, you, I, you can make a, a debate for a number of guys. but for, Yeah, there's at least three or four guys yeah, you could. For, for me right now, I, I'm, I'm going to Freddie Anderson. And I think the reason why a guy like Freddie Anderson – puts himself above the rest of the guys that I'm sure you can make a great case for is the team cannot win if Freddie Anderson is not doing what he's doing. I don't care how good the team is. If Freddie Anderson is not doing what he's, what he's doing right now, then we're not 15-7. and seven. We're not up there in the Atlantic Division and up there in the overall league standings. We're just not. So call it what you will, but the guy plays 60 minutes. He doesn't sit on the bench and then hop over the boards when it's his turn. He has to sit between the pipes all night, every night almost, it seems, and he's playing so fantastically well. I can't even really think about any severe softies that Freddie has given up since the puck went down on opening night.
1: No, we've talked uh, repeatedly about his play and obviously the importance of it to the Maple Leafs, but... Um, nice treat having him not do the whole October Friday this time around. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's shaken that finally, and seems to be, you know, ready to play this year in in uh, full season form right off the bat. Which, and I agree with you in that he has given them an opportunity to win every game, and some of those games where they maybe didn't deserve to win overall, but found a way to win with their offense. The reason why they're even still in those games and have a shot at it. Is because of Anderson making saves. I mean, tonight's an example. It was really a three-two game. Yeah, I was just. Gonna but they say got that. outshot badly, and they've been outshot on a, on a few occasions. And I think the last time I checked the stats, uh, Anderson had the third or fourth most shots in the in the NHL. Oh, easily. That he faced. Oh, easily. Yeah. I
0: think after a game like tonight, he would be even moving up those ranks. I have him in. Uh, I have him in fantasy and. Geez, I mean, I don't care if you're a Leaf fan or not, or I don't even care if you hate the Leafs. There are some people out there that are just like, I'll never have a Leaf
1: on my roster, <laughs> you know?
0: And it's like, well, then there are going to be years where you're probably not going to win your pool because there, because of your choice to do that. Like, there was
1: a point a couple of years ago where I was able to pick up Leafs and good Leafs like, late in the drafts because people were just used to the Leafs sucking. Sure, yeah. Not having, I mean, there was probably a year or two where none of them were even worth owning in fantasy. Sure, but
0: you could pick up a guy like a Bozak who actually plays,
1: who played PP1. But with then, Anderson, you know? he's been leading the NHL in wins, uh, if I recall correctly. So, And if you're also uh, taking track of saves or you have one of those really deep pools that has a plethora of stats. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's very valuable in that yeah, regard. Yeah. That's
0: actually what I was going at. Like he 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 puts so much saves on the board even tonight in a losing effort. Uh he puts in 40 saves. So that gets you a lot of points in fantasy. I was pointing at the screen Lesko cuz Mike Hoffman just uh I don't know if that continued his streak. It's Florida's third goal, but I mean is Tampa's this guy serious right now? Yeah, it is. 17. So that would be 17. 17 right yeah. now. And that was it. He needed that with however much time there is left. I can't. My eyes aren't that good. 3.30. 3.30 left in regulation. They're getting smoked 7-2. And Hoffman buries the third. Of, like, it, that goal means a nothing. A pointless goal. The goal means nothing except the fact that the guy's got a fucking 17-game point streak. And I might fucking uh, see if he's available in any of my leagues. But he's obviously not going to be. But no way. Anyhow. What's next? So, What's oh, next I really did, so
1: my first quarter. MVP, oh yeah, your star. Yeah, yeah. who do you got? Well, Sorry. we got hung up talking about Anderson, but yeah, I, that's yeah. okay because I came in here um, considering talking about him, but since you took him, I'll go elsewhere. But, uh, uh, did I? Ever. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Morgan Riley, and we talked a lot about him in the previous episode, um, just because of the elite year that he's having thus far, um, and you know settling that whole conversation that kind of hung around as to whether or not he's a true number 1 defenseman. We can put that to bed now. Well, he's um,
0: he's going to remain in the Norris trophy yeah.
1: like at least
0: the conversation is he not. I mean, how badly will he have to fall off the fucking cliff to get away from being In the a,
1: first quarter of the season, he's definitely in the debate. Um He's top, leading. Yeah, and he's top 10 in the NHL scoring right now. He's up, you know, up there with the Leaf scoring. Um the the contributions this guy is bringing to the team it's not just points. He logs the most minutes. So he's eating tough minutes. Very he's good playing team. like, you know, just in that instance where the Leafs were down tonight, he was out there probably for four of the last five minutes. And that's not the first time we've seen that this year. Yeah, we we'll mean, last. He's, he's on the PK occasionally as well. So it's uh, what he brings to a team that's, you know, often criticized for their weakness on the back. end. it just goes to show you how much he truly means to him. Or to the team, so you know. Over the years, we've become accustomed to his style of play and how good he is. But I think now he's starting to flourish because it seems that the chains have come off, so so he's, to
0: speak. He's reaching a peak now. Yeah, and he, he's another he's level. Get, he's
1: twenty five too. The, we forgot how young he is. Exactly.
0: Too. I was just gonna get to that man. the 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 standout defensemen are normally not standing out at like that much at such an earlier age, such as 18 through 24, 23, you get to see flashes of what you can probably expect on a consistent basis if the player develops properly. Those are the the flashes you're going to get. And I'd like to bring up, I know we're going to spin off for a moment here, but I'd like to bring up Gardner as an example there. Gardner is a really great example of of that point because he will have flashes of absolute brilliance and those are plays that could have more than likely been a consistent play for that player had that player developed properly. Now I'm not saying that someone failed to do something or Gardner failed to follow something, whether it be a workout regime or he didn't work on a shot or whatever the case may be somewhere along the line, the development was not at 100%, and therefore the player's peak was not where it could have been. Because a guy like that has these flashes of absolute brilliance, right? Followed by flashes of like, you should be in the fucking A with that play. So it's weird. It's a very high peak and a low peak. It's a high peak and a low peak, and it's strange. You get other defensemen that were, had the abilities to be offensive and defensive. And I hate to compare a guy like Gardner to like some Hall of Fame guys, but like you know, pick any number of guys that you, you can think of in the league that were good at both ends of the ice. They're probably in the hall. So it's a tough ask for a defenseman to be great on both ends. To but be well, like,
1: fully, truly well-rounded. Yes. And, and that's what we're Riley seeing out of Riley. We're yeah. seeing,
0: that's why I'm bringing it full circle. We're seeing it from Riley. We're not seeing it from Gardner, but Gardner's 28. Yeah. So he has fully developed. So it wasn't. It we wasn't know what proper... we know what
1: Gardner is, and it's like, and he was he...
0: traded. Let's remember, yeah, he was yeah. traded. So and they think, saw well, it too. Look
1: at the development system. You talk about development, the system that uh, you know the shit that Gardner had to come through, a uh, plane for the Leafs and all those coaches before things kind of settled down. Agreed. And, and, yeah. You know, by the time you know Babs got here, Gardner was what he was going to be. I mean, yeah, you can you can work out kinks here and there, but. As far as development goes, you figure that curve is, is settled yes. because he's getting towards the age where guys are going to start tapering off. Right? I would agree. So, yeah. I would anyway, my agree. first quarter MVP has got to be Riley. Um, I wish I could, could say it was 34, and we'd probably both be saying it was him if he but was still playing.
0: How are we skipping over Mitch Marner?
1: I know because that's, like, that's, that's my disrespect. backup. And it's it's not even disrespect. Like Obviously, points-wise in terms of offensive generation, I gave it to Riley because of well-rounded – attributes to the team just as like you went for Anderson you know yeah, yeah. I think Riley just plays a bigger role overall in the Leaf success
0: oh come on Vers- versus Anderson
1: no versus Mar- uh, Marner oh I see okay I no, see. I'm i yeah. not giving to you for Anderson like I said I would have picked him if you did not yeah yeah him. you're right you're <laughs> right
0: but I mean you know what I'd like to quickly just say one thing on Marner at this point right now November 21 2018 I am I would be putting money on the line that at some point Mitch Marner will lead the NHL in points that's my take.
1: Yeah, but it's hearing some takes the other day about it's him. It's not very
0: hot. It's just I'm I'm confident. When I see that guy, man, let's go. And there is another level physically to be reached. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about him getting better at, you know, passing or making nice moves. I'm talking about him becoming more of a fucking man, like growing into a man body. I, like, and- let's just be honest, he's a late bloomer. So was I. Like he's gonna grow into a man body and become heavier. He's gonna be a little bit slower but he's going to become heavier.
1: Yeah, well he put on 15 pounds in the off season. Oh my god. So, like, there's more. There's they, more. To I come. it wouldn't surprise me because I mean you can he see it. he's going to want to do that and it would be conducive to his playing style. Oh, because If it there's be? one thing that I've appreciated about Marner as a highly skilled, highly talented guy, he's not afraid to go hard in the net to uh check the other team's defensemen who were carrying the puck aggressively. He's not afraid to go in the corners and get a little bit get a little bit dirty like i'm i'm not saying like he hits guys per se but no he, no yeah he will get into collisions he'll use his body position yep. and i mean he's overall, not shy. he's he's small compared to traditional nhl standards or your um your prime superstar type guys who are you know six four six three but i mean that we have to also understand that that mold is changing and Martin is six feet tall so at you know, what is he, 175 or something I know, like that. Like, I know. He, you know, I would agree there's with you. There's more to come, There's probably yeah. more to come, and it seems that he's put a focus on on bulking up in the offseason. And does, so. does he miss games? Well, he hasn't. I don't think he's missed any yet.
0: Is he worth more than Matthews? No. Why not? Because. Because he's why? He's not as good. Well, he's in the lineup.
1: Yeah, well that's great, but he's not as good. Oh
0: well what, what's good is what's <laughs> good get, is fucking in so the lineup.
1: Par, well Par Linholm's in the lineup. Yeah, but I mean given him Yeah, but he's a regular. I know Mitch Martin is not a regular. Don't We're, don't don't start chastising Matthews because he's not in the lineup right now. Yeah, but he's never in the lineup. Not never. You can't say never. Never in the lineup is like Johan Franzen type shit. <laughs> Robbie <laughs> Fabry. Yeah, Robbie Fabry. Like that's <laughs> some heartbreaking shit right there. Okay, you right. want to talk some injury bullshit. All right, all
0: right. We'll flip on.
1: We'll flip on. What's next? Well, uh, we wanted to speak on Kadri, I guess, in his play. Um, I know he was taking some heat. In dropped
0: by 757 people in Yahoo scores immediately. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, and he, he goes on a tear. He was on waivers in my league as well. Yeah. And, yeah. you know. I dropped him in one of my And that's leagues. exactly what the Leafs needed in Matthew's absence was Kadri not only to assume some extra minutes, which is no big deal for him because his minutes are down this year. Right. But to also chip in offensively, which he's done. I mean, he, he went on, a, I think it was three games in a row. He had goals and. Yeah, he's really uh,
0: stirring it up.
1: Yeah, I think he's back on track for like what he was po- putting up the last couple of years, which is 30. upwards ginos, thirty. Yeah, yep, that's so right. So if he can, if he can keep that up, I don't really see him doing it. But if he can, you know, keep chipping in here and there once thirty four returns, that would be really nice to see. Because I, uh, we talk about center depth and how important it is to this team. One of the reasons it means a lot is that you, on every, on any given night. You don't expect all three lines to be tearing. No, of course so not. So usually when the one Ma- at least. You know, if the Matthews line has a bad night or JT's line has a bad night, hopefully Kadri can find a way yeah. to chip one in.
0: Yeah, and I mean to be honest, Lesko, let's let's just pull our car- all our cards out here. We haven't been pro- we haven't been given the lineup that we were promised. We haven't been able to actually say. Okay, the Matthews line with Nylander. Oh, and now the JT line with Marner. Oh, and now the Naz Kadri line See, with See the full extent. We of, haven't. So yeah. we've been slightly robbed of that. And, you know, the, the anti- Leaf fans, the haters, so to speak, like they'll laugh and they'll jeer. You know, oh, we can and we will. You know, it remains to be seen. We've got nine days, I guess. Is it nine days? We got nine days left, and then we'll figure it out. So one more pod, and obviously we'll we'll touch on Nylander later. But I really like Kadri's play, man. Um, Two guys that I have been okay with, and when I say okay with, I mean I see a lot of negative. Um, responses to their games, Kadri and Marlowe and both of those players uh, pretty much all year. I haven't really minded their play. Like I need some negative reaction on the couch in order for me to like remember that, you know, you did something stupid or a bad play and you caused us a goal and it didn't even look like you fucking cared you know, those things like I need to have a bad negative reaction to re- remind myself that I don't like that play and this guy hasn't played very well because I've yelled at my fucking TV three times already and it's been him all three. So uh, clearly
1: that guy's not having a very good game. What's interesting about that is that since uh, Kadri and Marlowe have been reunited, it seems that they both picked up their game. And if you move those guys down to the third line hopefully keep them together because I, I thought Marlowe's play has been much better alongside Kadri, whereas when he was beside Matthews uh, in those first-line matchups, he, I felt like he was out of place. And I was pretty hard on Marlowe earlier in the season, yeah, but he's really picked up were. his game. Uh, recently, and and deservedly so. He wasn't he wasn't good enough, and especially in comparison to what he's been for us. But when you say picked up his game, like what do you mean? Well, points wise for one. On okay, that, but that's on that not West-
0: fair though, because like for example, we talked about this. The first two fucking games of the season, okay? He had two glorious opportunities, and he was robbed, like absolutely robbed. It should have been in. He could have had two goals in two games. We'd ha- we'd be totally having a different conversation. Yeah, but he didn't. I know he didn't. <laughs> I know ifs and buts and whatever, candy and nuts. I know all that things. But my point is, is you keep saying he picked up his play. And here I am on the other side of the bar right now. I'm saying that I haven't minded. His play, his north-south play has been fine, and I don't recall very often being like, for fuck's sakes, Marlo,
1: are you serious right now? My problem with him was on the defensive end of things. There were a few times where he was floating around, he missed his assignment. Um, That's where a lot of my criticism came in.
0: I'll give you that. I'll definitely give you that, but I won't give you that on Naz Kadri. Naz Kadri has been 200-foot proverbial... Uh, for the whole time, it just hasn't been going for him. And we saw a couple of posts, man. You know, like, it's it was, it was rough. He go seemed snakebitten earlier
1: yeah. on. Like, it was, you look at the shooting percentages year over year for guys, and it was right. a, very indicative that it's a, not an accurate reflection of the kind of player he actually is. Right. Um, A game that really stood out to me was in that San Jose game. When they tried to go at him right off the opening draw, that fourth-line duster there tried to fight him, and he just shook yeah. it off, drew a penalty. they end up scoring, yeah. and then the rest of the game, they're on him. And the narrative in the media was talking about that uh, fight that he had with Thornton the year previous, or ripping out his beard, and uh, Sharks players wanted to get after him yeah, for I it. Know. That what was do you weird. think? Big Joe can't fight his own battles? Yeah, I know. Like, give me yeah. a break. You know what I mean? And I, I like that play later on, and when he nailed Buddy behind the net and then ripped his stick out of his hand, just chucked
0: it. The Bautista? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And and let's be honest, he kind of looks like Bautista. Oh, man. Right, right? You know what? It was funny. DeBoer, uh, DeBoer the coach of the Sharks, actually admitted to uh, chasing that fight. Oh, is I mean, that yeah. right? Yeah, uh, in, the, in the post-game scrum, I read it on Twitter. He admitted to, like, you know, that was the plan.
1: Like, well, and I wonder if they just wanted to shake up the Leafs and get under Naskin because Naz, oh, for sure. let's be honest, he can do some dumb stuff when he gets oh, pissed off. Oh, We've yeah. seen it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, So, and yeah. he. what I really liked about it is when is the perfect game that you want to see out of him, and that's when he's engaged physically without flying off the rails.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think his game is rounding into a, a really solid uh, 3C spot. And when I say three spe- three C, I don't mean like a third line center like every other team. I mean our uh, yeah C. for the Leafs our because our on any C. other
1: team he's top six two. all day two C he's yeah a two he could C be everywhere. a first C yeah. on a lot of teams yeah you're yeah. right for
0: sure for sure we could go down the list and find some 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 options for him but generally speaking he's a two two line guy and uh, he's unfortunately for him getting uh, three line minutes third line minutes but. Uh, Geez, I mean the assignments he's getting less. Go if I told you, you know, you you you'll work a little bit less, but you'll actually uh, get paid more more money. It's not that much more, like a quarter an hour, but you'll get more. You might you might be interested in doing it, right? So he's able to play less minutes, but they're against other like you know third and fourth lines.
1: Yeah, he'll often he'll often get those tough matchups every once in a while, but yeah, he sure. really needs to. Take advantage of being a three C in that he's gonna get favorable matchups. I would say at least seven, eight out of ten. Yeah, or oh, right? even yeah, and yeah. maybe on a given night when they've determined to play JT against Crosby's line, for example, like he'll be drawing Broussard, right? Like yeah, you know that's a that's a, still a decent matchup, but well, I he mean, can hang on to the you puck think of a his, little bit more. his wingers as well. I mean, if say they put him back with Brown and Marlow, at least that has a little more offensive upside from what he was seeing earlier in the year, I think he would, you know, he had time with Ennis and Brown and, um, yeah, you things know. were getting switched. Well, up. just guys, you know, at least Marlo can feed him, or vice versa, you know, Marlo can bury. So there's a little bit more opportunity for him to get on the score sheet.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He can finish right. And he has been recently. And of course they both, they both have been. So I like that. Uh, I like that you bring them up. They're two, two good, uh, two good talking points right now for the team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, if he can keep this up, uh, if he can keep this uh, rate of play up, and, I mean, doing what he does best, like we said earlier, staying engaged physically, chipping in on the score sheet, not losing his shit and taking dumb suspensions.
0: Mostly the last part. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, because at some point it gets to the area where you just can't. Uh, they're extremely important games. Maybe they're playoffs. Maybe they're, you know, towards the end of the season when we're trying to seed. Um you know you just don't wanna you don't wanna take those stupid penalties and put your team behind the eight ball ever obviously goes without saying
1: all right, so we got uh we got a little twitter question action to hit up here or what yeah, sure, you
0: wanna roll right into that, so i got we're we're you wanna skip on to Nylander then you well, to yeah Nylander let's, let's
1: do Nylander hour and then wrap things up and yeah, go home. you're <laughs> right yeah we're nine
0: <laughs> we're ninety minutes we might as well talk Nylander for a bit and then get the fuck out of here so if you're sick of Nylander talk then tune out, but really, I think what happened last go is is this has been a actual roller coaster of emotions in the sense that right off the bat it was very interesting it was like what's going on is he going to sign is he going to play what's going on and then over time it fell down and it was getting old and he was liking fucking Instagram posts from Leaf players and Leafs game or win or whatever. And liked by William Nylander on I Twitter. I think the reason why. You know, and then all of a sudden now it's getting towards the end and it's ramping back up again because it's fucking actually
1: happening. It's actually of the deadline. happening. Because of the deadline. Thank and, God there's a deadline. It, it wasn't interesting because the Leafs – Thank God the story has been the play on the ice predominantly. Yes, because if it if the play on the ice had been terrible or even mediocre, there would be a lot more people chomping at the bit for something to get done.
0: Oh, they'd be crucified, big time. The whole team. You're right. Like I mean, you're right. Thank Thank goodness it's been yeah. Thank goodness it's been good to start because this thing has been you're right clouded a little bit uh, by in a good way, of course, by how well. The team has been playing, but it's almost become an afterthought for some people now. I've I've actually been seeing polls on Twitter and on Facebook asking people, "What's your level of interest now on the Nylander? Trade him, sign him." Don't care, you know,
1: and yeah, like don't care
0: has was like ninety yeah. percent. Like everyone, I even clicked on don't and care, even though I clearly do.
1: And I think it's even more of just we're sick of talking about it, sick of hearing about it. Talk to us when there's actually a story, because I, I get annoyed with this lots, especially in the off season. Is the speculative chat. Right, it's it's the oh well we could trade they could trade him for this and that because now that's what they've been doing on the sports yeah. shows recently. It's Kiprios. throwing out all their bullshit trade scenarios, right? And like you do realize this guy's a first line right winger. Like, do you do you not get that? Because all these trade proposals I'm seeing for for you know uh, a three or four D man or a you know. A, I, I see these trade proposals and they're utterly, utterly ridiculous because you know that none of them would actually be reality.
0: But I feel like a lot of those bullshit proposals, though, Lesko, are, have to do with the fact that the guy, well, first of all, the guy putting them forth, if you're talking about fucking Kiprios and his stupid proposal. Well, you just
1: hot take city. Like, God damn it. What they're, what just how like how you, they're just trying the to fire people up. Guys like me and you, they're just trying to fire us up. Yeah, I guess.
0: <laughs> but um, – I think what happens, Lesko, is they assume that they assume that the Leafs are automatically going to have to lose the deal in some way, shape, or form. Which I think is a fair argument, but I don't think it, 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 it can be assumed. I don't think it can be assumed that we're not going to get our value for Nylander. Now, let's, let's, let, I'm going to go on the record right now and say that if we do trade Nylander, I don't believe we will get the value back by the end of the day. And by the end of the day, I mean like six or seven or ten years from now. When Nylander has been either a phenomenal player in this league and we missed out on having him, or we're okay with it because we won a cup the year we fucking traded him. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> like, it, no, no, I'm just saying. like guy shit here. Sure, but. yeah, but one side he's gone, and we have to deal with it, and he became a great player for someone else. And what was our return? Did we win? Yes. Who cares? Did we win? No. Fuck you, Nylander cuz it sucked. It was looking like it was going right up into the heavens. We were bringing it home. And then he decided to stop it. So I'm just saying hindsight will be 2020, right? Of course, we will look back and either look back on this extremely like with extreme unpleasants or we're going to be looking back on it and being like, "Man, what a great thing, you know? Fucking got rid of him, got this D man, whoever it was. Actually got a pick, too. Turned out to be this guy, right? Then we flipped that pick I'm just saying the trade tree, right? It happens now. And of course, yeah. with all the social media, we're able to look at all these trade trees. I'm and- still
1: not looking at, at the trade situation at all though. Like I still haven't well, it's a, obviously run that an option. over in my head too seriously though, Why? because well, just like hit up the question here because this is exactly what spurs us right in this conversation because like I oh the Twitter yeah exactly okay all right all right, so, all right all right it's all take throw, care of this I'll
0: throw it out so Twitter question uh, our second uh, Twitter, Twitter question of the night so again follow us at PuckPod. Uh, this one was uh, from at Lee Godden. thanks uh, for throwing this out Lee at Lee Godden, he's asking um, if Dubis is waiting until the eleventh hour to sign you know who so that his cap hit is high this season, but much smaller in the remaining years? I thought that was a very interesting question.
1: What do you think? Well, my initial reaction was part of the reason why I think he is waiting this long is because I think Nylander knows that his own value is hurt by not playing this year. At all. So I think, whereas some people think the Leafs might be more likely to cave at the last minute, I think the Nylander camp is more likely to cave, Given his his age and everything, um, my other reaction to this though was, and this is something that you had mentioned, was that it it increases the likelihood or my consideration anyway that they might throw him a one year, yeah, at a, a a much higher cap hit, way the and then hit the reset button Do it and again. try again next yeah next season. But so, I guess the only concern with that perspective is you give him that. Seven eight million dollars or something for this season while we can afford it, and then he tears it up, and then wants that trade time him. next year. Then you're really trading him, I guess. Then you're yeah you back yourself into a corner. What so that's you why maybe now they don't want to do it. Yeah,
0: but what do you mean now you're fucking excited because maybe you won the goddamn cup with the guy, and he teared it up in a season and only uh, you know missed twenty games.
1: Absolutely, teared it up. But I don't think if you're in management, you're still you're got eighty factoring points. in a, a, a run. Like a deep Stanley Cup type run, but like the points wise, yeah.
0: But if well, the points are going to help you get into the position that you need to be in, which is first place in the in the Atlantic, so that you can play a wild card, get through that first round, and move on, and take take on hopefully a battered Bruins or a battered Tampa Bay Lightning squad. Bergeron's already out now for a month right now as we speak. They're it's getting
1: funny. old. I, at first, I thought that was a good idea. Now that I said it out loud, I talked myself out of it. Out of what? To giving him the, a big one year. Why? Because, like I said, if he if he tears it up, then then in which I fully expect him to.
0: That's, yeah, but that's probably best case scenario. Listen, man. But I'm I expect can't, him to
1: tear it up anyway. We can't Either way. afford <laughs> William Nylander. He's the odd man out. Oh um, no, they definitely can afford him. No, Just we not Not at what he wants. No,
0: yeah, but listen, he. He is asking for the right number. People are wrong here.
1: Well, what, he, it, what, it, based on what? Because we don't know for sure what he's asking for. Let's just use
0: eight. He deserves eight. People no, are, he doesn't. Yes, he does, no, he man. No. Yes, he does. No. Who's he playing with? He
1: Austin played with, Matthews. Yeah,
0: okay. Austin Matthews in his rookie season where he right. scored 40 goals, right? Austin Matthews,
1: is the phenom. Right. So if you're management, what are you, what are you saying to that though? What do you You think? played with Austin Matthews.
0: No, but see, I'm going on the other side of that argument. I'm going with David Pasternak and him playing with Patrice fucking Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Okay. A guy that has been in this goddamn league. He's been around. He's had more than a cup of coffee. Yeah. Nothing against Austin Matthews, man. He's phenomenal. I think he's goddamn better than Bergeron. So my, yes. my point is really kind of dumb. Yeah. But really, you got, <laughs> no, but really, you got to hear me out, though. Like a guy gets to ride shotgun with such an experienced player like that that earns the respect of his peers and the officials. More than Austin Matthews, who's just this rookie phenom and can't even get a fucking penalty drawn when he's getting hooked by two fucking players because he's a rookie. And that's what happens. And you see it. It's fucking true. These rookies that come through and they're in the league, they get hauled down, they get taken down, they get slammed into the boards. It should have been boarding, it should have been fucking cross checking. But get up, kid. Welcome to the NHL. It's tough. So Nylander plays. It's this young line, it's this exciting line, it's this new fucking team. What if you switched Nylander with Pasternak? What do you think would happen? Because my vote is that the Bruins line would be even better. That's my vote. I think the Bruins would increase in talent if you gave Nylander to the Bruins and we took Pasternak. I think how how so? Because I think Nylander is better.
1: Well, that's definitely definitely that's up for debate. Why would that you
0: don't don't think that's up for debate? You think Pasternak's way better than Newlander? No question. Absolutely. No question.
1: But in in, in the context of the league, if you're a manager or even an agent, you're gonna look at those two players and you're gonna say far and away Pasternak's a better player.
0: Why? Based on points?
1: Based on stats and what he's done. What he's done.
0: Negotiations are not only based on stats. Yeah, but they're based on
1: comparables. Sure. And if there, sure. there's been a common conversation around Pasternak but, as a comparable- But Pasternak is
0: so underpaid, man.
1: He absolutely is, and that's why you so, look at him as a- as Why a, is
0: that Nylander's fault?
1: It's. I'm not saying it's Nylander's fault. I'm saying as a comparable, if you're saying he's underpaid, then there's no way- If you're saying Pasternak's worth $8 million, I would believe yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. But there's no reason why Nylander is because he's not as good as Pasternak. He's yet to even show but that he can I, score But I still at that don't level.
0: I still don't understand why that's Nylander's fault.
1: I'm not saying it's not his fault, but that's how the negotiating tax But it's that's is, how it works. But it's
0: turning out to be his fault. No, it's not. He's getting the he's getting the raw end of the deal because Pasternak signed a stupid
1: contract. Yeah, and it that's great for the Leafs. That's great well, if you obviously not. He, he's sitting out. Well it's great from the negotiating standpoint though. It's why they don't and you know what? At the end of the day, like when we've said this numerous times throughout this conversation, is that clearly Dubis is sticking to the plan because they've calculated down to the last dime what it's going to cost to sign all three guys. They know they can do it, but it's on at these numbers, right? So, and that's where
0: I'm totally on board with. If he's not willing to be
1: there, then say goodbye. Well, and to that's it. Uh, because that's, I'm not. Willing, that's the only other option.
0: I'm not willing to risk either Matthews or no, Warner. and
1: neither. Is, I'm sure neither is Dubis. So, no one would at be. the end of the day. That's why I've started to consider the trade option because that is the only other option. Because I think they have it down, like like I said, they have it calculated so precisely that they know that if they can't get them at under whatever, say six million or six five, that it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, and I agree. If it's not going to work, then just let just just move it on. But or it goes I,
1: back to what I said when we talked about it, however many weeks ago. Yeah, that they. Give them, give in, give them a little more uh, than they had originally anticipated, and then find ways to shed money elsewhere.
0: I'd been saying since, I'd been saying since the, I believe it was the 20, I don't even know when, it was the, whatever, the weekend we played Washington the first game we had against the returning cup champions. I expected Nylander to be in the lineup then. Cause it was like a significant period of time, miss like five games. Or We'd something. each
1: picked a couple of games. Yeah.
0: And I said like by the
1: weekend. And, yeah. You were yeah. like concerned. You I was like three, or four were, games in. You
0: were like, yeah, it's not even a big deal. That's kind of why I don't want to talk about it. Like he's obviously just coming back. And I remember I was like, dude, I don't think he's coming back. And yeah. everyone thought I was crazy. Cause I didn't think, it was going to go over well. I'm not saying that I'm some fucking genius prognosticator. I I just that was my gut feeling. My gut feeling was that he it was not he was not coming back. Then my gut feeling was okay, if he's not back by Washington. I don't think I ever said he was going to be back by Washington. I believe I said if he's not back by Washington game. Then it's like a long haul. I it, do recall then you saying it's that. Fucked.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I probably haven't gotten worried. Uh, I think it was about a week or two ago but when I started to actually worry and think like eh, maybe he's not coming but back. But see, right? like
0: worry worry is not my word cuz I'm not even worried.
1: Well, I'm worried about it because it's I, a wasted I, the, asset. The, the best the best possible outcome is him playing. Of course. None. Of you course, know. I, mean? yeah. I don't care what you get from a trade. So let me throw this one at you, and we'll we'll get the hell out of here. Because yeah, we got to get out of here. That's we're enough or like, talk. We're like
0: fucking one forty-five. Holy fuck! Well, let man. me <laughs> let me let me go back on it and just say quickly because my initial thought after the Washington game was that he's gonna sit out the whole year. I'm kind of flip flopping on that now because I totally agree with you. I believe that he wants to get onto the ice because. It's such a lose. It's such a lose, 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 lose. Everyone you look at is losing if he doesn't play. Yeah. Everyone. The NHL, Willie, his fucking that's why one family, year Everyone's losing. So he needs to get back on the edge. That's regardless. why a one-year
1: might be a, a half win for both, right? It would be. Yeah. I think it's a win-win
0: because then we will, like you said, hit the reset button and try it again next year, yeah. but we probably won't get it done. But at least we'll be able to sign Matthews first and then Marner and then literally say, here, Willie. We told you what we have left. Here's the spreadsheet. We told you what we have left. We just gave it to Matthews and Marner. Now we're asking you to sign here. Either sign here or we're trading you two and then fill in the blanks. And we'll have more teams to work with then. Because as of right now, you're kind of eliminating half of the trade pool. Yeah. Because half of the teams don't even fucking know if they're in yet. Pittsburgh has no idea what they're doing. Maybe they want to get in on fucking Nylander and make a deal because Rutherford's crazy. You know? i Way more options.
1: I'll throw this one at you because my dad mentioned it tonight, and I haven't really looked at this too in depth to see if, what the cap ramifications would be. But he pitched the idea of training Nylander and Gardner for Drew Doughty. I, yeah, I,
0: I, 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 I put it on the The, dr- the Doughty the
1: Drew dream is still not dead. <laughs> but it's not, though. Because here's my thing. I don't know if that's feasible from a cap point of view. Here's or not, my thing, but... and I
0: think I might have said this to you in our first episode of the pod, or maybe it was like while we were just in in this area talking. I don't know if it was on record or not. I hope it was. But I've been saying for years that Doughty is the piece that we need to to like get into the
1: position that yeah. we need to be in. I'd rather now, use the phrase a Doughty like player because. The odds—I've always said the odds of us getting them are slim to none. Yeah, but now that the Kings are shit, it that's makes what me I said. think that that's what i There's I'm a chance, but I just feel now that we have everything wrapped up, this much money wrapped up potentially or soon to be in forwards. Yeah, it just becomes well, increasingly—it was more unlikely. It
0: was definitely not on the pod when I originally said it, which was last summer when I was praying to God that the Kings would be shit, and then Kopitar was amazing. He had like an MVP season. Yeah. I needed this LA Kings team. You
1: didn't fall off last year. I
0: needed this LA Kings team last year yeah. because then maybe Doughty wouldn't have signed and then maybe Doughty would have come to Toronto. And I'm telling you right now, I will take Doughty over Tavares every day. Yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. Oh, that's you tell interesting. Me, you tell me we still have Matthews and Nylander. Like, let's just factor those right. guys in because I know we can't factor Nylander <laughs> in. But I'm just saying, like, if you factor Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and then Doughty on the back end with Riley and Gardner, like I'm thinking that that would like have had been an interesting conversation.
1: Was he a UFA? Uh, yeah, it would have been this year. Would have been that, but he this upcoming. Yeah,
0: it would. No, no, it would have been this. Oh, would have like, been this previous this offseason. Season. That would have been an
1: interesting conversation but to he be upped. in the boardroom for yeah. while they discussed which one to pursue. You know what?
0: I'm incorrect, Lesko. You were right. It's next season. It with, is next with, season. With EK. Okay, him and EK. I was e, going to say that'd be EK. a weird
1: conversation. Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyways, you know what? Like it, it could, it could have been. Um, But the team was phenomenal and, you know, they made the playoffs. And I honestly think that season last year might have been a flash in the pan and they're more of what we can expect to see in L.A. this season. It's a funny
1: conversation to have, too, because the Leafs are so good and we're, like, clawing at these, like, more scenarios. Like, could you imagine how mad that, like, other teams' fans would be had the Leafs... Somehow pulled off like a Doughty trade in the off or something. Like, what do you mean you get Tavares and Doughty? Like, ah, oh, people, people are already really pissed off that the Leafs are good. But you imagine how pissed they would be people if are. the Leafs pulled some shit off like that.
0: People are extremely fucking <laughs> pissed off that the Leafs are good.
1: All right, play me off like the Oscars.
0: All right, brother. That was a good episode, man. Yeah, shit, we went deep. We went pucks in deep. For this episode it was episode 11 thanks for joining us um questions concerns what do you got let's go wrap it up
1: yeah tell us if it was uh if this shit is too long because this is our second episode going to about buck 45 eh
0: yeah i mean we we've, we've been talking we're about just it.
1: grinding it out here on a wednesday yeah, night we're grinding
0: out i mean we're kind of, we had to push it back a little bit so the schedule is kind of off but Really, at the end of the day, I think uh, it's a fucking podcast, man, so it's generally pretty easy listening in in the sense that you can kind of pause it and pick it up.
1: Yeah, or you can just tune out for five minutes while we talk about Nylander, whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, who gives a fuck?
1: Which is like five to ten minutes an episode, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, so hopefully you guys are enjoying it, and uh, we haven't really heard any negative feedback, so if you guys, like, tell us what you don't like.
1: Yeah, give us negative feedback. Yeah,
0: like... Call We're us. not that good Chirp us, let's sign the chirps We're not that good, like can we start the chirps please? Like, <laughs> Actually you know what, there was one chirp, let's go um, Somehow one of the guys in one of my groups They saw a picture of you and you had a tie on And he was chirping you at the length
1: of your tie At the length of my tie? I like to think most of my ties are average length <laughs> I don't know, It was looked at, it might have been the angle of the photo But it did look pretty
0: short <laughs> It It was short. Yeah, it looked pretty short. Really? It did look pretty short. But it could have been, like, because I think you might have had your arms up, too. Oh, yeah. Right? So, you know, the tie might have been pulled up, but anyway. (laughs) All right. I'm wrapping it up. (laughs) At PuckPod on Twitter, at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam. See you later.